Okay, that's what I did earlier this morning. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it took me a while. Thanks, Akim. Thanks for sharing that. So, we are going to look at the Word of God, which is so, so, so important, isn't it? The Word of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to preach to music. This is, this is, this is another one I, I recorded earlier as well. So, um, I'm going to dance as well. Well, I'm going to, if that's all right with you. So, don't, don't be alarmed if I just come out in some weird ballet move. So we're looking at the Word of God and we're looking at Bible meditation. So we're continuing on our series of discipleship. How can we be disciples of Jesus Christ? And just to remind you that you can come to church on Sunday. That's really good, particularly when it's raining. You can listen and to what I'm saying, what anybody says on a Sunday. You can sing the songs, but there must be something we must do on a Monday morning and a Tuesday morning and a Wednesday morning that the Christian life is meant to involve our whole lives, not just what we do on a Sunday. And there's a big danger in the Christian world, in the Christian life, that we think, I've done my bit, I've come to church on Sunday, I've ticked the box, and then I'll just wait until next Sunday. Disciples are meant to be growing. We're meant to be growing as people. And I just want to remind you about the Word of God. So here's a, here's a, a slide that will come up seamlessly Uh, about the word of God. We've read this, I'm sure, many times before, but just a reminder, this is from Hebrews. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing and effective. So when we read the word of God, please, please remember that these words are alive. They're living. They are more than just words. They are active. So the Bible tells us the word of God is alive and active. It does something. It will do something to your life. It will transform you. It will change you. But, and here's the big but, you have to be in a place more and more where you are saying, God be the centre of my life. So I don't know whether you remember, some of you were here, some of you weren't. A few weeks ago, I put up a word cloud, a word cloud being where you write down the things that are most important to you And the bigger the word, the more important it is to you. So I shared one from when I was in my 20s and I had on the screen uh, about like relationship was really important, money was really important, status, career, uh, sport was really important. So I had all these words, then I had a tiny little word that said Jesus Christ. Because when I was in my 20s, there were so many other things that I thought were more, more important in my life than Jesus. And that's been a transition in my life where I've said, Lord, I want you to be the centre of my life. And this is really important because Jesus said, you can hear the word of God, you can receive the word of God, as in the parable of the sower, which is, by the way, the most important parable to understand all the other uh, parables. You can hear the word of God, but if your heart is somewhere else, Jesus says, that is like a heart that's full of thorns and thistles. So the word of God is perfect, it's active, it will make a change. But if it's just going to fall into a heart that's saying there's something else that's more important, there's other cares that I have, other worries that I have, other things that I'm saying are more important than Jesus Christ, then the word of God is not going to have so much effect as if you're saying, no, I'm going to be a person that's saying no to all that stuff that's coming at me all the time, career, family, whatever it is, whatever it is. all these things are really important. But Jesus says, if you want the word of God to make a change in your life, You have to learn to become a disciple that's saying, Jesus, be the centre. Jesus, be the centre of my life. 
and you will find that you will change. Here's what um, a Christian neuroscientist called Caroline Leaf said. She said, you cannot sit back and wait to be happy and healthy and have a great thought life. You have to make the choice to make this happen. You have to choose to get rid of the toxic and get back in alignment with God. So we have to do something with our minds. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning when we're thinking about Bible meditation. So I'm going to show you a clip of a film, or Akin is going to show you a clip of a film, of someone called Smith Wigglesworth. You may have heard of him before. It's not actually him. It's someone talking about him. And if you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth was, uh, I think he grew up in the 20th, early 20th century. He was a plumber from the north of England. And he had this amazing kind of healing ministry where he saw tremendous healings. And I've heard people say, like, I'd love to be like Smith Wigglesworth. But the thing with that is that what we don't know about him is that he lived his life just before the face of God all the time. And so this is a clip of someone, hopefully, will come up. I think that's all right, actually. Thank you. Thanks, Ekin. So that's quite an extreme example, but when people listen and hear about Smith Wigglesworth, they say things like, what a wonderful ministry he had. But he made some pretty severe choices to say, the word of God is going to be central to my life. And when I was preparing this talk, um, I was looking on the news on the BBC website at the different headlines. And this was on Thursday. So there were quite a lot of very, very negative headlines that I'm sure you've all seen. But the news was on Thursday that it was the interest rates went up. So it's the biggest interest rate hike in decades as the bank warns of a long recession. Then it said, the Bank of England expects UK to fall into the longest ever recession. Then it said, King Jong-un wants America's attention, something about the North Korean uh, dictator. Then it said, can the US live with Xi Jinping's world? Can the US live in Xi Jinping's world? That's a Chinese uh, president. Then it said, all of Africa's glaciers are going to be lost by 2050. I didn't even know that there were any glaciers in Africa, but apparently there are. And they're all going to disappear by the t- uh, t- 2050, according to the UN. And then it said, uh, Russian spy chief blames the West for nuclear tension. And then it said, um, us will have room for improvement. So um, that was quite an important one, uh, I felt. Point being that we can get consumed. I can get consumed. I find the news really, really addictive, actually. I don't know whether you do as well. I kind of find myself on the BBC website quite a lot, looking at the different things that are happening that seem to change every moment. And I can find myself getting a bit obsessed with it. Now, it's not to say that we shouldn't know what's going on with the world, but it is to say that we have to make a choice about what we're doing with our minds. If I spend all my time thinking about the news, thinking about the world, which is pretty bleak, right, as we know, then I can find myself going down a certain route of feeling rather low, rather depressed, all that sort of stuff. And there was an incident in King David's life when King David was um, uh, in a place where he'd seen a mighty victory over a different enemy that uh, he was in a, a really serious situation because his children had been removed and all of his warriors, the people that he, uh, he fought with, all their children had been displaced and taken uh, by tr- another tribe. And it says this in 1 Samuel 36, it said, And David was greatly distressed, 
for the people spoke of stoning him, which is not a great thing, by the way, because, of, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for their own sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's really what the word of God is about. Like, how did David do that? If you look at the life of David, if you look through the Psalms, he had a pretty torrid time most of the time. Like, there's a Psalm that's a positive, uplifting one. Then there'd be lots of Psalms about how terrible his life was. There's an enemy, there's this happening, there's that happening. But in that scripture, it clearly tells us that David found ways to strengthen himself in the Lord. And that's what Bible meditation is to me. He was the Bible meditator. He wrote some of the, most of the Psalms. And he knew how to engage with the Word of God in such a way that he found strength from it, in such a way that whatever he faced, however he faced it, whatever was going on in his life, he continually reminded himself, there's this happening, but it doesn't matter because God is in control and God is like this and he's for me and he's all these sort of things. And we have to learn to find ways to do that. So that's what I, I want to sort of examine this morning about Bible meditation, which I know is probably not the most exciting thing you've heard of. You know, come on a Sunday, let's all learn about Bible meditation. How exciting. But it is, I'm telling you, it will transform your life if you get this right. It will utterly transform your life if you get this right. So let's just have a look at Bible meditation. So Psalm 1, verses two, verse 2. Uh, if you want to turn it, that's fine. I'm going to read it out anyway. But you probably know this psalm. It's, uh, as, as it's Psalm 1, this is a revelation. It's the first psalm, right? Just want to let you know that. It's the first psalm. And it's all about Bible meditation. So I haven't actually... Oh, I have got it. There we are. It's at the top, isn't it? There we are. So it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So this is a person, we don't know who this is, we're not told who this is, it's possibly David, um, and it's a person that's saying, I'm not going to listen to what the world is saying all the time, so that's what the first verse is about, uh, is about someone that's listening to the advice of the wicked, standing in the place of sinners, or sitting in the seat of scoffers, this person is actually making a decision to say, I'm going to delight in the law of the Lord, and on that law, I am going to meditate day and night. And this is prefaced by the word right at the beginning of Psalm 1 that says blessed. And blessed is the most powerful word. I cannot describe to you what that is really meant to me. We kind of water down the word blessed when we say, someone sneezes, we say, oh, bless you. It's like a token thing that we say, isn't it? But the word blessed means to be happy, to be utterly prosperous, to be full of joy, to be a person that someone else looks at you and says, I envy that person. That's what the word blessed means. We, we play it down, we dilute it because we use it quite a lot, probably in the wrong way. But this person, whoever this person is, is to be envied, to be prosperous, because they've decided to say, there's lots of things I can concentrate on out in the world. There's lots of things I can think about. I could be absorbed by the BBC News. But actually, what I'm deciding to do and make a priority in my life is to meditate over and over and over on the Word of God. And the word meditation is the word haga. I don't know whether I'm saying it right, but probably not. Um, unless you know Hebrew, I probably will get away with it. So I'm going to say haga. Haggai. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Say it again. Hagai. 
Hagar. Perfect, thank you. I knew that. Um, I knew that. I'm just testing Sue there. That sort of audience participation. I just wanted to make sure that she was still familiar with her Hebrew. You've passed. Um, so it is, it is to take the scriptures and it is to quietly repeat them in a soft, droning sound while utterly abandoning outside distractions. So sometimes we can read the word of God and there's nothing wrong with reading the word of God through the year kind of thing. That's a great thing to do, getting an overview of the Bible. But this is where we zero down on certain verses and we find a place where we're not distracted. We find a place where we're quiet, we're alone, and we are saying, I am going to put the word of God, which is alive, living, transforming. I'm going to put it at the very centre of my life right now at this moment. I'm going to put my mobile phone, you know, those things we've got. I'm going to put those things that, that far away as possible. And I'm going to focus just on the word of God. I'm just going to take a few verses, maybe one verse, and I'm going to repeat it to myself over and over again. This is not weird stuff. This is not kind of Eastern kind of meditation. This is proper, true, biblical meditation. Because what we're trying to do is get the word of God from our minds into the very center of our hearts. And the way we do that is by saying over and over again the word of God and examining it, thinking about it from all sorts of different angles. This is what... Uh, on the next slide, Madame Gujon, I can't, this is, I'm, I can't do French or Hebrew, so I really apologise. Um, Sue, how do you say this? Guillaume. Again, I'm just testing Sue there, um, just making sure she still knows her French. Um, Madame Guillaume, Guillaume was a, uh, I don't know what century she was from. Anyone know? Huh? <laughs> From the what? From the zoo. Sue. I thought I thought you said from the zoo. What? It's going really really strange. So Madame Goujon from the zoo, um, who was around I think in the 16th century. I'm going to go 16th century. Okay, you can look it up later. She was a French nun sort of person. And uh, she wrote quite a lot about Bible meditation. So she said, those people who get through so much of the Bible, I've added that, do not profit from it. The bees can only draw the juice from the flowers by resting on them, not by flying around them. So again, it's just describing the way we approach the Bible in that we're trying to receive from the word what the word is saying. We do that very simply by looking at very small chunks of the Bible. So just some biblical references to meditation, just so that you know that I'm not preaching from something other than the Bible. Okay? So clearly in the Old Testament, Psalm 1 is talking about meditation. By the way, Psalm 1 is the psalm that you have to know in order to understand all the other psalms. So people that know more about this than I do will say that Psalm 1 is kind of a gateway a kind of you go through the gate of Psalm 1 in order to appreciate and understand how you approach all the other Psalms. So in other words, what, what Psalmist is saying, Psalm 1, is that we approach all the other Psalms by meditation. So we know that it's in there. And then uh, the first instant of, does anybody know the first instant of meditation in the Bible? 
I'm going to go to Sue in a minute, but I just want to see if anybody else... <laughs> Sue's going to give me the answer in Hebrew and French this morning. Um, and I will translate it. So does anybody know who went out and meditated? It's in Genesis, just to give you a clue. It's not Abraham. It's his son, though. Isaac. Okay, so there's a... I think there was a bit where his wife was coming along. Is it Rachel? I think. Oh, we're so bad at... Stu- I've done theology as well. It's terrible. It's awful. It was Rachel. Okay, fine. So it goes out in the field. It says in Genesis 24, 63, if you want to look it up, uh, it says that Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening and then along comes his, his wife. So if you want to be married, go and meditate in the field, right? And a wife will just, or a husband will just come along. <clears throat> Uh, that's very random. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Joshua. So Joshua, what did God say to Joshua? Joshua 1, 8, another famous verse. God says to Joshua, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, by the way. That's interesting, isn't it? Not from your mind, from your mouth. In other words, you'll be so full of the word of God, it's coming out of your mouth, right? Tumbling out of your mouth all the time. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe what to do. See how powerful meditation is? God didn't say, go and get a sword and practice sword fighting or whatever, spears. I don't know what they had then. I don't know, rocks, go and throw some rocks at people, whatever, before the battle. Meditate on the word of God, right? That's your best battle plan. What a great battle plan. So meditation will bring a wife and a husband and it will also destroy your enemies. Now in the New Testament. So the New Testament, you won't find many references to the actual word meditation. Now, I'm going to assume something. I think it's probably because it was so normal for people to meditate on the word of God that they didn't actually talk about it. That's my, my assumption. But there is one, well, there's a few verses, but this particular one I really love. So this should come up like that. And this is in John, 1 John. So the Apostle John, an elderly man, is writing to the church and It's this weird kind of concoction of different ages, which I thought was really strange when I first read it. I thought, well, what's that about? Like he's saying, I'm writing you, dear children, which are really, really young children, uh, because your sins have been forgiven on the account of his name. I'm writing you, fathers, mothers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young children, because you have overcome the evil one. And then he seems to repeat the same thing again in a slightly different way, which is kind of weird. And I thought, why is he writing to specific age groups like this? Until I read a person called John Stott who said, this is all about maturity. This is your maturity in Christ. So when it's referring to dear children, it's a certain level that that person or that that male, female is in Christ. A father is someone or a mother is someone that's further on in the Christian life. So it's to do with maturity. But this is really key. I love this. I write to you at the bottom. I write to you young people. These are young people in the faith. Because you are strong And the word of God lives in you. That word again, live. The word of God is active, it's living, it's living in you. And you have overcome the evil one. So if you have children, grandchildren, the best thing you can do is get them to meditate on the word of God because they will overcome the evil one. They will have a prosperous life if you get them to a place where they are learning and knowing the the Bible. We're going to do a quick history of the early church. So back in the next one. Uh, this is Origen, who um, was in the 2nd century, 
And this is really important because I kind of figure like we're all like many centuries from Christ, aren't we? But isn't it good to go to someone that was quite, well, I've never met him, right? I've not actually met Origen. But it's good to go to someone and listen to what they're saying because he would have not been in the same time as Christ, but he would have known someone that walked with Christ or someone that walked with someone that knew Christ before. So there's some sort of connection. And Origen, who was a, a brilliant church father, said, if the disciples patiently persevered in memorising key biblical passages, evil powers would be driven away, I love this word, by the incantation. We should use that more often on a Sunday, I think. The incantation of scripture and by constant repetition of divine discourse. In other words, meditation. Memorising, meditation, go together. Learning scriptures, just small scriptures, and be able to repeat them over and over again over your life is really, really powerful. Then the next one, this is the Desert Fathers. This is in Egypt in the 3rd and 4th century. What were they doing? So if you are thinking, well, I want to meditate on the Word of God, but I have to work. Well, they would meditate on the Word of God and work at the same time. So the lives of the desert, the lives of the desert, I think that meant to be fathers, were saturated, and this is mothers as well, by the way, were saturated by Scripture. During the week, they chanted or recited the Psalms while they did their manual work. So if you're a taxi driver, you could be chanting the Psalms while you're driving, anyone, anywhere, whatever you're doing. Um, it's really, really, that's what the Psalms are designed for, really, that we meditate, repeat them, we sing them um, over ourselves and over our day. And then forwarding, I'm going to forward quite a few centuries. This is now to the Puritans. I don't know what you think about the Puritans, but they did have a massive effect on society in many ways. And um, obviously in Billericay, there's a link there with the Puritans, isn't there? So the Puritans, what they said was, again, Bible meditation, they said, was so important that the leaders of the, of the movement of the Puritans would say, we're going to make my Bible meditation the most central thing that we're going to do in terms of our connection with God. And so they said, meditation upon the word of God is the most important aspect of private Christian devotion. And I love this because it just speaks volumes to me. One hour spent thus of meditation is worth more than a thousand sermons. So that's James Usher, not the pop star, by the way. Just want to say that if you... Uh, no one knows Usher at all. Never mind, that, that, that's, that's lost. You, you can look up Usher later, that's fine. Does anybody know Usher? Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Bail me out, bail me out. Sue, do you know Usher? There we go. So every time I preach, you're going to be there. You're bailing me out everywhere. It's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for Sue. Thank you that she knows Hebrew, French, and Usher. Just bless. bless. Okay. George Muller. So we're going to go even closer to our current time. So George Muller, who was an amazing man of God, a bit like Smith Wigglesworth, saw amazing miracles. He ran an orphanage in uh, Bristol. I think it was in the 19th century. And he said this about his daily time with God. The point is this, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. I love that. Who doesn't want to have their soul happy in the Lord? I saw that it was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. And he goes on to talk about 
Bible meditation. I've got a test me, a more modern test me, which um, is it's actually I took from a book about meditation, but my, my dog chewed it. I don't know whether you can see that. So the dog took chewing the word of God a bit too literal. Um, so I have, um, I have disciplined her. So uh, it says this. I can only read a part of it because most of it's missing. I'm really sorry. It's really good. It's an amazing testimony. If you can get the book and read the testimony, it's brilliant. Um, so it says this. This is a businessman who wrote about having had some sort of meditation um, workshop. This month is the third anniversary of meditation on the word of God. I felt I must tell you some of the, I can't see that bit, things that have happened. It's going to be very, I'm going to make it up. Uh, that have happened as a result of meditating. After the first month, I realised I did not need any, med- any medication for my ulcer. Please don't throw away your medication. I just want to say that if you are on medication. I did not need any medication for my ulcer or any more tranquilizer pills. Six months after I began meditating, I entered into a very uh, bad business situation Rather than worrying, I turned it over to the Lord and stayed in his word. I never lost any sleep or had any negative thoughts. Praise God, I was healed of worry and fear. There's a really important bit in the missing where there's the whole, I'm really sorry. Um, goes on to say, I have also learned how to meditate night and day. The last thing I do at night is meditate on one or two verses, letting them be my last conscious thought. I go to sleep immediately. When I awake, the word of God is my first thought. Praise God for your teaching on meditation. Yeah. And I, I want to personally say that I have found it so helpful. So the way I work is I'm, I'm very much an introvert. I'm very much a thinker. And I find my mind very easily goes to dark places. Not terribly dark places, so don't be alarmed, but quite dark places. Like if I read negative things, I can feel very negative. I can feel very negative about myself, about my world, about my life. And I can easily have these patterns of where you go down into some sort of hole and it's quite difficult to get back out again. But I found meditating on the word of God is such a cure for that. It's been unbelievably helpful to me. So if you are a thinker, if you are an introvert, and if you're an introvert, you're more likely to be susceptible to depression and that sort of thing you will find the word of God is so, so powerful if you meditate on really positive words from the, uh, from, the, from the word of God. So just some practical things to end with. So memorization and meditation go together. So find a small psalm or just a small passage and repeat it over and over again. So here's one that I've made earlier, right? I didn't write it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Does anybody know, Sue, hold back, Does anybody know where that's from? The Lord is... Brilliant. So Psalm 27. Did you know that, Sue? She did? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the Lord is my light and my salvation. So the way you can do this is what I do, is I emphasise it as I go along. So you can say, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. But then I emphasise the Lord. And I think, what does it mean that he is Lord? He's not just my friend, he's Lord. He is the Lord Supreme, he's Almighty God, he's the Father, he's Jesus. Then I emphasise the Lord is my light. And I think, wow, he's light. We live in a really dark world, don't we? But he is my light. And I think about that, that I thank you, God, that wherever I am, you are, and you are light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
and I think he's my salvation. It's a very personal thing. He's your salvation. And as you meditate on that and you spend five minutes just on one verse like that, thinking about it over and over again, you will find it will start to transform your mind. And it just brings such a joy because I did this mo- this morning where I was a bit tired or whatever, but I was just... I had some scripture that I was just thinking over and over again, and it kind of opens your heart up to God. It opens your mind up to him, to the revelation that he is present, because often we go through our day, we don't realise he's with us. So just some thoughts about it. Firstly, the enemy will definitely try to discourage you from doing it. Secondly, like all habits, it takes perseverance. So I tried this about 10 years ago and I gave up after a few months, but I've returned to it. So I'm just saying that it does take perseverance. All good habits take perseverance. Find a quiet place and a time when you are most awake. And like habits, what the experts in habits say is repetition is more important than duration. So doing it over and over again is more important than how long you spend doing it. So it's better, say, to do five minutes every day than an hour every week type thing because we are people, I'm really afraid to boil you down as a human being, but you are a product of your habits, just to let you know. So here's a book that's really, really interesting about that, just to finish with this. Atomic Habits by a guy called James Clear. Firstly, if you want to develop a holy habit like reading the Bible, make it really, really accessible, I mean the Bible. So he makes a point about, if you want to learn guitar, don't put your guitar in the loft, right? Because you, you just forget about it. Um, put the guitar right in the centre of your living room or violin or whatever it is that you want to learn, right? You put it right in the centre so it reminds you to do it all the time. So put a Bible in every room of your house, particularly the toilet. I don't want to say anything more about that. Um, put a Bible wherever you can, you can get hold of it. And let's say you like to read at night, which I like to, Just make sure it's just the Bible there. It kind of forces you to then read it. That's what I've had to do because I I can find all sorts of other things to read. So make it really accessible in the same way what they say about mobile phones. If you want to stop using your mobile phone, you literally have to put it away so you can't see it. That's all the research is out there saying you can't just leave it on the side. That's exactly what the people that make these things want you to do. You actually have to lock it away. Uh, which I try to do with my children, not lock them away. Um, <laughs> I keep their mobiles, I lock them away. It works every time, it works every time. Uh, make a plan. So get a diary and write down, this is what I'm going to do Monday to Sunday. I'm going to spend five minutes and actually write it down in your diary on every day. It's more likely to work if you have a plan. So you have a calendar. Uh, this works with homework, with all sorts of things, but you actually have to have like a schedule and that will really help you, and it re- personally, it really works. And then start really slowly. So don't say, I'm going to meditate on Psalm 119 and learn it by next week, right? If you don't know Psalm 119, it's quite long. Start with something really small. Make it really, really a- a- accessible and easy. That's far, far better, and you're less likely to fail and give up. But start somewhere and start slowly. So I want to give you some homework. I want you to find one verse or one line of a psalm, whatever you can use, Psalm 27, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation, anything like that. And I want you to spend five minutes just reading it in a quiet space, not in front of the TV, not with your mobile phone, but separate from all that. 
and just reading it over and over again and emphasizing the words and looking at it from every angle and asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help this get from my mind to my heart. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. We do that through the word of God. So I want, you to, I want to encourage you, you don't have to do this and you can talk about it in your connect groups if you want to or you can completely ignore me, that's absolutely fine, I won't take it personally but I want to encourage you to do this because it is life transformation. Can I pray? So Lord, we just thank you that your word is living and active. It's alive. It is alive and it brings transformation and I ask that you'd help us to be people that say, I am going to put the word of God central in my life. I'm going to read it, meditate on it, think about it in such a way that it's going to bring change to my life. I bring my mind before you. I bring my heart before you. I bring my life before you. I ask you help me make you the centre of my life. And I ask that you help me in the power of your spirit to make the word come alive in me that it not only makes sense, but it transforms my heart and my mind. And I ask this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, we pull. <laughs>